You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Awesome! 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 With That you're awesome. I'm glad I'm not a possum cause I'm awesome. And that's awesome with Joe. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 26 of That's Awesome with Joe. I'm your host, Joe. Uh, today on the pod, we have with us Jack from Dead Poet Society. Um, this was a really fun interview for me just because, as you'll find out, there's a lot of things that Jack and I have in common, uh, like where we grew up, where we worked, a lot of the people that we know, and we kind of discovered a lot of that organically in the interview. So uh, it was really good. Uh, this is a band that I've been hearing a lot about over the last year. I've seen them tour with a couple of my friends' bands. In fact, two people that I've already had on the podcast, Andres and um, uh, Josh from Bad Flower. Uh, so that's where I kind of heard the name. I went in and listened. The music is fucking sick. They're like a great rock band. So really excited for these guys. It seems like they, they've just lined up a bunch of stuff that's going to push them to that next level. So uh, I won't take up any more time. So I'll just send it right on over to you. So we're in. Uh, Jack, thank you for coming on. I appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me on. Of course. And um, why don't you just to start off for those of uh, let everyone know who may not know of your band, uh, who you are, what your band is, and then we'll just kind of dive into some history stuff. Okay, sweet. So uh, my name's Jack Undercoffler. I sing for a band called Dead Poet Society, and uh, we are based out of Orange County, California. And uh, yeah. That's it. Sweet. Yeah. So I actually first became familiar with your band because um, you you toured with Andres. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We toured with Andres. Uh, what? Yeah. February 2019, I think. Right. Right. And I remember actually when my close friend Donovan was booking that tour, 
Um, oh yeah, Will's Will, our drummer. Um, yes, he knows right. him pretty well. Yeah, yeah, and I I actually met Will when he was playing with Andres a while ago. Um, so there's some circles here, and I actually uh, I did some uh, internet research slash creeping on you and your band before we did this, and I have some other there you go weird circles that we probably both know a lot of the same people in. <laughs> oh no way! Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But right. we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, let's um, get. Yeah, bring them up randomly, and I'll I'll, I'll yeah. tell you if I know them. So basically, I don't know if you've heard the podcast before, but um, what we kind of like to do here is just go through your like kind of musical history. And I understand just from looking on the internet, you do a lot of stuff even outside of your band uh, that I would love to hear about. I'm sure our listeners would love to as well. Um, but like, how did you, where, where did you grow up and how did you kind of get into music? So I grew up in a place called Hampton, Virginia. Um, it's like 30, 40 minutes west of a place called Virginia Beach. And that's the only place that anybody really knows. But mm-hmm. um, I was born in Boston, lived there till I was six. And then I was raised in Virginia and uh, moved back to Boston for college. And uh, when I was in Virginia, I... Uh, I never, I didn't really think I had an interest in music. I just remember my mom signing me up for piano lessons Mm -hmm. and I begged her for two years to like just quit, quit the piano lessons. I didn't want to do them. I just hated it so much. I never practiced. Uh, probably like 10. I must've been 10 because, uh, after that, after I finally got her to quit or let me quit, I begged her immediately afterwards they let me play guitar and she was mm-hmm. like well you quit piano lessons so i'm not gonna get you a guitar and i was like i was like come on please please and after you know a few months of begging she was like fine okay and uh we went and rented a guitar from like a like a local music shop and some lessons and i just became obsessed with it i just did it nonstop. and then about Maybe six months into playing guitar, my dad bought me this Bob Dylan Essentials book. And I don't know if you do you remember like the PBS like Essentials oh, things? Yeah. Yep. yeah. So it was it was that it was Bob Dylan's book of that. And it was just all of the chords to every single song that well, not every single song, but like like his top fifty. And Is that I just like went the kind through. of music that you grew up on too? Yes and no. I would say like I had to like grow up. The way I grew up on music, I think, was very, very different from most people, especially musicians, and the fact that I didn't really have a wide array of music that my parents brought me up on. I mean, Mm -hmm. I remember my dad listened to a lot of Chet Baker, and my mom listened to a lot of Earth, Wind, and Fire, but beyond that, it was up to me to like find my own music. Those are pretty good starting points. (laughs) Yeah, I'd agree. I'd you know, agree. Those I'd, are not bad influences to have when you're young. No, no, not at all. So I think, I think that when I started finding music, it was not the classic rock that pretty much everyone I know was raised on. It was like mm-hmm. I had, I knew Bob Dylan, uh, like Chet Baker, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and then like Frank Sinatra was like my childhood music. Right. Big names. And then, yeah, big names. And um, when I started playing guitar, that's when I really started learning about like uh, like classic rock and mm-hmm. uh, and just bands that I right. loved, like you know. I became bands and stuff. Exactly, yeah. Right. So. Yeah, it's funny how that works because I, I actually had a similar 
journey, like at least when I was younger, I started playing piano very, very young. Um, and then I, you know, ultimately when everyone else started listening to, you know, the radio and watching MTV, I wanted to pick up a guitar. Um, yeah, just because it was cooler. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah. And then that's how I discovered all like the bands that I still love and that underground scene of music, which was more underground back then than it is now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, in other ways it has kind of gone underground in this, in the genre that I'm in too, but it's starting to resurface again with, you know, like bands like nothing but thieves, like very Mm -hmm. guitar driven music. Right. Right. Um, so cool. Like, you know, it's, so this was all in Boston when you were doing that? Uh, this was, no, I, I was, I lived in Virginia at this point. And, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, right, and, right. And then you moved back to Boston for college. I'm sorry. Got yeah. That yeah. So, yeah. No, so, um, just, yeah. Go ahead. Were you playing in any bands when you were younger, like in high school and stuff? Uh, yes and no. I mean, when I was in high school, I started my own band and it was the most uh, it was the most egocentric band name I could, I had. Oh, I love this. Everyone <laughs> tells their first band name. Let's do it. Oh, it was so bad. It was called the Jack DeWitt Band. And I basically, <laughs> so bad, so bad. And I basically like drafted four people that I knew that played instruments into, I just forced them to play my songs basically. And uh, it wasn't so you were like ahead of your time, man. Like that's what everyone does now when they're older. You were doing it in high school. Yeah. 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 I mean, I was, it was funny because I was literally, I think I was like one of two people in the school. I went to a massive school that had a band. So I kind of like, everybody kind of knew me as the music guy. And, um, and I, I was huge into John Mayer. So a lot of my stuff was just like really like clean strat kind of stuff. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I was fucking horrible at guitar. So (laughs) I just like, (laughs) I it, none of it was good. None of it was yeah, good. Yeah, but that's like when you learn to play with a band and stuff, right? Like that's important. Yeah. All yeah, that stuff. Yeah. There's so many embarrassing stories that everyone has when they're learning to play and in the first bands and everything. I think we did like one of my first bands did I think we only did like really punk versions of Beatles covers. It was oh, really man, really I bet awful. That was beautiful. <laughs> And our drummer, I remember, was actually for a bunch of like seventh grade kids or whatever. He was Mm -hmm. really, really talented and he had a huge drum set, but he only listened to Rush. So it never worked, you know? Yeah. It was really great because you had like a kid that could be playing with people that are way more advanced and then me and my buddy Dan just playing. And you're just like, dude, blast beats as hard as you can, just as fast and as long (laughs) as you can. Right, right. Uh, so you moved, you went to, did you go to Berkeley? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, did go I to saw Berkeley that. I, I was looking at your LinkedIn and this is where we're going to start crossing paths pretty hard. Okay. <laughs> Cause I, Sweet. I grew up in Boston. Oh, no uh, way. My, we're in Boston. Uh, I lived in, I was raised in Tewksbury until I was very in like third grade. Then I grew up in Reading. Um, oh, and Redding, I actually okay. just moved out to LA uh, in April, but before that, I was living in Salem. In Salem, okay, yeah. Wait, so you moved out to LA? When did you like? What made you do that? Uh, just so I do a lot of songwriting and stuff like that, so it just made sense okay. for me to be here. You know, yeah. That's I actually, the same, to be same honest with you, I, yeah, I, I like it way more 
on the East oh, Coast. Oh, do you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, on more. the East Coast. Well, even in Boston, to, uh, Salem is like my favorite place. So, dude, I'm the same exact way. I am so homesick for Boston. I've been I've been mm-hmm. out here for f- over over four years now, and I just like it feels like I'm in like a permanent hotel. Like it's just none of the landscape feels familiar at all. It doesn't That's feel like the home. very first thing I say too. It's landscape. And like the yeah. way things just look, all the roofs are flat. Yeah, all the roofs. <laughs> it just it doesn't feel like it has like LA doesn't feel like it has a vibe. That's the weirdest thing about it. Is yeah, that you I get know. all this you get all this like um fantasy from movies that just go on and on about like how amazing Hollywood is and LA and everything. And so you have this picture in your head that it's this like awesome you know, like utopia of artists right. and actors and it's beautiful yeah. and there's all this like fame and fortune. And you get out here and it's literally a strip mall copy and pasted 40 miles in every direction with their own local own local army of homeless people and the streets suck. It's yeah. just, oh, dude. Someone told me a joke. So, someone told me about some stand-up comedian's joke yesterday and it was like, them talking about LA and and how the palm tree is just like the symbol of like paradise in LA or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that it's the most sarcastic, like shrugging your shoulders quotes, paradise image that you can think of. And it's so it true is. because all you see is just like flat, shitty, like buildings, gray. And then there's just like f- palm trees that just kind of stick up everywhere. Yeah, I know. That's the funny thing is like I always say that like that like LA is the only reason you see in movies LA being shot from a helicopter is that's the only way it looks nice is from a thousand feet above it. <laughs> People are gonna get so mad at us on the <laughs> I know. Look, I'm just being real. I'm just being real. <laughs> oh, it's good. I like it. If no one gets it when I say that I like Boston more than here, because everyone's Look. like in love with LA here. So yeah, refreshing. Dude. I miss Boston so much. Like the I I miss just like walking out of my house and then just being where I need to be, you know? Like I get right. out of my house and I like I'm bored. Uh I hate being I feel like I'm stuck inside. Okay, just take two steps out your door and all of a sudden you're in a whole new environment with yeah. coffee shops and fucking uh grocery yeah. stores and malls and it's just like it's just like you have everything you need right there. Right, right. And there's spots like that out here, but they're not as common in like this big of a city. No, you know? and they're much smaller, smaller communities. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Um, so when did you move to Boston for school? I moved in 2011, just after high school. I was, okay. uh, I applied to Berkeley and that was pretty, I'm, I, that was the only place I applied to and not because of any sort of like, existential like destiny thing it was more like i'm just like a really lazy person and i was like yeah mm-hmm. i want to do music and i was like applied to one i was like ah we'll see if i get it if i don't i'll join the coast guard and then uh <laughs> and then uh the letter came back and they accepted me for the spring semester and so i was like oh sick okay well i just have to you know make it six months and then they called me two weeks before the fall semester began and we're like Hey, if you can get up here, we have a spot for you. By the way, we have no housing, so good luck. And I was like, oh, fuck. And so uh, so my uh, dad and I figured it out with uh, the whole private loan situation. And then I Mm -hmm. I just went up there and and started right away. And you just, did you end up living in Austin? Um, I ended up, yeah, I ended up, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
as every musician ends up in Alston. Every I started off in musician. Roxbury. Yeah, okay, every gotcha. college yeah. musician. Right. And so um, here's another thing. Well, let's. I'm going to pause on that. I'll tell you the story after. Um, okay. So talk to me about that. What was what was it like when you first got to Boston? Did you immediately try to find people to play with or was it kind of just focusing on school? No, to be honest, like I didn't know I I really had no idea or direction of what I wanted to do. I was just mm-hmm. kind of doing my own thing. I didn't I didn't want to join a band. I was just I just liked songwriting. So I was like, okay, let me do that. And I got to school and realized that, you know, they're, they're trying to find ways to beef up their, their, uh, annual revenue. So they just make you take all these like irrelevant college courses. So I quickly started, stopped caring about being at Berkeley. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was like just focusing on my own music thing. It wasn't until the end of my freshman year that, uh, Jack and our original other Jack and our original bassist Nick uh, asked me to sing on some songs that they had written, and I had no intention of joining a band, like zero. Like I did not want to join a band. Like this is how much I didn't want to join a band. Okay, so I had convinced. So before I joined the band, one of my best friends, who was a drummer at Berkeley, was in the band. Was in Dead Poet Society, okay. and Dead Poet Society was known for being one of the worst bands at Berkeley. Like it, this was like the beginning <laughs> of memes. This was like the beginning of memes, and there was a meme on the Berkeley meme page that was like, um, there was this girl named Kate Cameron that was also being made fun of uh, for being like one of the worst artists, and it was like. Dead Poet Society, the the worst thing to come out of Berkeley since Kate Cameron or something like that. And she'd only been wow. there like a semester. It was so mean. So I was like, I my friend Landon, who was drumming, I was like, dude, you gotta leave that band. You got it. You gotta leave it, dude. Like they're they're not doing anything. They suck. Everybody's making fun of them. He was like, okay. So he left the band. And six months later, there I am in the practice room with them writing. That's crazy. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. so mean. <laughs> it's so mean, dude. It was so mean. I mean, we laugh about it now. Yeah, musicians like, are, are supposed to be supportive of each other. <laughs> oh, at Berkeley, supportive, supportive. I think if you were to think of the perfect antonym for supportive, it would be Berkeley College. Of yeah, music. yeah, it makes it into a competition, right? Yeah, they make everything into a competition there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's basically classrooms. It's classrooms of all of your peers just judging the shit out of you. So that's the first story where it's been like, yeah, I joined this band very reluctantly because they were a a joke of the of a band at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah, I think so. I mean, what if, So it must okay, be so, really exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is how I ended up joining. So, um so they had a couple songs that they had written together as a band and they had no way of recording them. And, uh, and I was friends with the guitarist Jack's roommate and they heard me sing. So they were like, do you mind singing on a couple songs? And I was like really reluctant. Like I didn't want to do it, but I'm, mm-hmm. but I'm like too nice. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. Cool. Let's do it. And then, so I ended up singing on the songs and then I tried to like, pretty much ghost them. Like I was like trying to avoid being around them. And, uh, and they started asking me like, Hey, can you, you want to join the band? Like, do you want to come right with us? Come right with us. And I was like, no, no. And like weeks went by and they kept asking. And then one day my bassist somehow knew where I lived and showed up on my doorstep and was like, yo, let's write. 
I was like, like right now? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And I'm like, fuck. So <laughs> I bring him in. We sit down. I have my acoustic guitar. He has a riff that he wanted to show me. So he showed me this riff and I was like, okay, all right, well, let's try writing something over. What do you want to write about? And he's like, I don't know. We went on Wikipedia and found like a historical topic to write about. And we wrote the first verse of the song. We wrote the second verse of the song and this riff and kind of pasted together this rough idea of a song. And I was like, this is actually pretty cool. Like, I don't mind this at all. Like, I was expecting to hate this. And mm-hmm. uh, that song ended up being the first song we released together, which is uh, called 145. It was the first song we ever wrote together and released together. And uh, and I just, after that, I was so, I was totally in. I was like, this is really cool. I like this. Let's do it. Would you can kind of consider that, is that like the birth of the the band as it is now? or Or is it, did they have songs that you guys continue to play now? I think with the current lineup and the way we write, that was the birth of the band right there. But Got before it. I joined the band, they went through singers and Jack and Nick have been um, making bands since they were 14 years old together. Mm-hmm. You know, they grew up together. So Dead Poet Society was around for about almost a year before I joined it. And, uh, and, um, and so they had, yeah. they, the band had been around, but not the current lineup or the writing style or, you know, anything. I'm yeah. trying to, I'm, this whole time you've been talking, I've been, I've been Googling too, because I'm like very, very certain that I've, we've played a show together. No now. way. What was the name of your band? Uh, I was in a band called the Venetia Fair for a while. Venetia um, Fair. What did you play? Yeah. Like, uh, we we always played like TT the Bears and like. Uh, yeah, I mean, we played all those places a bunch. Middle I mean, East. We, we toured mostly. Like, we were always on tour, but um, Middle East was like a good spot for us. We played Sinclair a bunch. I don't, and maybe it's just that I saw your name on flyers a bunch or something. But I do know. Um, I think I may have actually. Maybe it was just that I've seen you play at TT's. Could be that. Yeah, Very, maybe. Really could oh, be that. I, I mean, so, undoubtedly, I, if we were in Boston at the same time and we were both in the music scene, like in bands and stuff, there's no way we didn't run into each other at some point. Yeah, for sure. It definitely happened. Uh, you were also, this is where I think we may know a lot of the same people. I was looking on your LinkedIn. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. You worked at Apple, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. I'm Boylston. I worked at Apple. <laughs> Wait, on uh, Boylston? No, but I know I have a bunch of friends there. I was uh I worked at North Shore, which then became Market Street. Um, oh my god! I gosh. only left Wait. last year. Apple. I was a lead there until last year. No way. Yeah, dude. Okay, so oh, let's see. Uh, who do I remember? Do you my remember, mom's uh, godson is Greg Case. Do you remember him? Greg Case, that sounds familiar. He was Hold a on, tech specialist or genius or something like that. That sounds very familiar. <laughs> I mean, we had a lot and of then people, so I wouldn't the, doubt it. Um, Greg Marquis, he was the singer of Actor Observer. Worked yeah, there. I, I don't know if he was there at the time, but that sound. Yeah, he's one of my friends. Yeah, on Here Facebook. Yeah, yeah, Greg Marquis. <laughs> yeah, I know this guy. Yep. Holy shit! Uh, yeah. He's the singer of Actor Observer, too, who uh, I would love to actually get on here. Yeah, Actor Observer. Yeah, he was in a band there. Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. That's so weird. Yeah. So we knew, remember we knew some of the same people here, for sure. For sure. Wow. Small world, dude. 
<laughs> right. It's actually possible that we went to like training together because I joined like the same time as you and I had to go to that market's training. Did okay, so was that <laughs> did you have your training at the Sheridan? Yeah, I was at the hotel. Okay, wait a second. Hold up, this is okay. So at that share, what year did you join Apple? 2014, I think. So did I. What? Yeah, do you I remember know. when you I I joined Apple October of 2014. So I started training in the fall oh, or I fall winter. Been, I might have been right before that. I might have been July or September. July. Okay. July, I feel like you would have remembered me because I was the one person in the entire training facility that fell asleep in the middle of the in the middle oh of the training. Oh my god, that's so good. <laughs> Dude, I was the worst Apple employee. I was the <laughs> worst Apple employee. I did not oh, man. I I don't know how I got hired because like the thing is, I've never been a, I've never been able to motivate myself to do things that don't pertain to just what I want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I always end up going in really strong the first two weeks of any job. And then after those two weeks, I just fucking stop. Like, yeah. uh, the, you better all the motivation no goes up. hear this. You're screwing oh, yeah, yeah, no, of right course now. not. This is the no, one no, I'm no, going to, that, that's the clip I'm going to post everywhere. Yeah, you should. <laughs> and send it out to every local, uh, every local, uh, you know, like a uh, sound house that yeah, you can find <laughs> in LA. Yeah. Make sure they all know that I don't put effort in. Um, right. Two weeks in though. I mean, that's, that was usually my threshold. I mean, this one it, it apparently was after one day because I fell asleep <laughs> in the middle of a meeting, but, uh, so good. But, uh, yeah, that's funny. Dude, that was interesting. Well, there you go. I There's my got... tangent. There's my random tangent with how we know each other. <laughs> that's so crazy. That is so wild. Right. Yeah. The, so um, let's, let's keep yeah, going go with the band history. So you joined the okay. band. Um, mm-hmm. what was your next step from there? This is when you're still in school, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was still in school. This was 2012 when I joined the band, 2013-ish. And, uh, we wrote a lot. Um, we went on a couple tours. We started off by just Jack just booking random shows down the East Coast. We'd go and play these little middle-of-the-nowhere towns in, like, North Carolina. And, uh... those are the best. Oh, yeah. Ten people. Oh, yeah. No food. Right? Yep. No food. We actually, we played this one place called the ultimate basement in North Carolina. And it was this little strip mall in the middle of this town in the mountains and their population, maybe 200. Okay. (laughs) And, uh, we pull up to this venue and it looks like an abandoned, like dollar general, just this massive, like, um, cleared out space inside that, you know, obviously at one point had shells, but didn't anymore. And there was all this like skate stuff. And then all these old RC TVs, like lined up against the wall with like Nintendo 64s. And, uh, it was run by this guy named Gerb who had like two teeth (laughs) and drove a motorcycle that he parked inside. And, uh, yeah. And he was the sweetest dude. He was so nice. We didn't bring anybody. And there was like six kids that were skateboarding and when we started playing they went outside to go smoke cigarettes i mean they couldn't have been older than like 14 years old and uh (laughs) and we finished playing and they come back in and then gerb's like well i only made 14 dollars tonight but like here's half of it and he gave us seven bucks (laughs) oh uh, dude i have absolutely been there that's so good (laughs) 
Oh, dude, everybody. It. Yeah, everybody has a million of these horrible stories. Dude, and, you know what's uh, funny is I'm discovering this only from doing this podcast is that's not true. <laughs> like, what not, do you mean? Like, so many people find success, like, early on or get asked to join a band somehow or or something. Or at least a lot of the people I've talked to, they ha- For a lot real. of them don't have those those, like, grinding stories. Oh, dude, this band has been nothing but a grind. From the moment I joined this band, from the moment we tried to go on our first tour and ended up happening, happening but barely, this band has been a uh, an uphill battle, I think would be like an understatement. It's been like an up up a cliff that's uh, that's made of red hot steel. <laughs> it's like, it's just constant. It has been nothing but everything falling apart from the very oh, start. Man. But here we are, seven and a half years later, still grinding, and, and it's <laughs> yeah. still, I mean, it's working, it's working slowly, but it's working. It seems like you guys have made some major steps recently, but we'll, we'll yes. hold off on that. Um, so let's keep going through it. So so you're kind of just writing songs, are you playing shows and stuff at the same time, or, or is it just mostly a studio thing? Um, it is, uh, it's... Well, I mean, because of COVID, we can't really play any shows right no, now. No, no, right? I mean, I mean, back when you were after you had joined, you had you were said you were writing and all that stuff. Oh, back, back in Boston. yeah, we were more of like a studio band, I'd say at the start. I mean, we love playing live shows, and I think that's where we got all the reaction and mm-hmm. the validation is that people were always like, uh, like, um, impressed with. Uh, I mean, yeah. not to like and the Boston boast scene myself, is but, not; yeah. they're not the easiest people to win over to. No, not at all. I think yeah. we really started having fun, like the most fun with shows when we were uh, when we started playing this underground place called the Banana Hammock. Do you remember that in Alston? No. Okay, it was this uh, it was this underground venue. Uh, it was in somebody's basement, and you could just pack like sixty kids in there, and they'd all be like against each other, like sweating, and all the mm. mics and gear would be yeah. knocked over, and it that shit was so much fun to us. Yeah, those were and the best. That those were just the best shows and yeah, i think that's just really the basement shows in that area i wonder if i have actually been there it's possible yeah the banana hammock was around for i think the entire time that i was at berkeley it was run mm. by a girl named Allie, and mm. uh her and her friends kind of made up the venue and would have shows every saturday and somehow they never got shut fun. down it was crazy that's wild but... we had a few places like that in lowell when i was at school there oh yeah yeah, those really are the fun. hidden gems, dude. Those that's where the dude, we, real I, I fun is. I actually just told a story recently on this podcast, but I played a basement show in Lowell. Actually, I think in about I think it was 2014 or 2015, and it was like our last night in us in like this tiny, tiny, tiny basement with like 500 people in it, like spilling onto the street. It was insane. Oh my gosh, that's insane. Those shows are just, I mean, it's the chaos of it that's so much fun. And then you're just bringing the energy to just fuel that chaos and everybody's sweating and throwing each other around. You just so fun. Oh, you feel like so powerful. It's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So you were used, so you're like really DIY with all this stuff. I love these stories. This is great. Um, Yeah. We've always been super DIY. Self booking tours, basement shows. It's like real Boston shit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Until, uh, until this, uh, album we have coming out, we mixed all of our own stuff too. Oh really? Did, was that you doing that stuff too? Uh, no, Jack, uh, the guitarist, um, he's always been our mixer and then I always ride bitch. I sit next to him and tell him to do things. Wait for him to get annoyed. Cause I know you, you do have, uh, 
some sort of background or skill in in production and writing and stuff, right? Somewhat, somewhat. Um, Jack has most of the production um, chops, okay, and uh, but I I help out, you know, where I can. Right, right. I can do, but I was reading know. on your thing that you've been like compose. Do you compose music for commercials or stuff like that at all? What What was that I was reading? Ooh, that's that's kind of like. Uh, did you get that from my LinkedIn? Yeah, or is that stuff that you've had published with other people? Like your, that's your that music. stuff I haven't done in a long time. Jack Jack does a lot of uh, trailer music now. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of into it for a little bit towards the end of my career at Berkeley, but I. I just like it. Just wasn't my thing. I didn't like. Oh man, I love sitting that in stuff. a chair for twelve hours. Oh, do you? Oh, well, yeah. that'll bode well for you, man. It's a very useful <laughs> skill. I love all that, comp- uh, like trailer, movie scoring, all that stuff. That's like super yeah. exciting to me. Um, cool. All right. So, when did you start? When, when did you graduate from Berkeley? Yes, I did graduate from Berkeley. Unfortunately, and then did you? <laughs> Is that because, do you say that because everyone says all the people that have like huge careers in music get taken out ahead of time? Yes. Right. Yeah. Precisely. I don't know. Yeah. That's really interesting about that school. It's the only school where it's like almost a detriment if you graduate from. Yeah. Yeah. In a way. I mean, not just because of the, the sign that it's like, okay, well you didn't make it before you left college, but also the fact that they tag on like a $120,000 bill at the end of it and they go, thank right. you. Yeah, I know. Crazy. Um, <laughs> So what happened after college? Did you try to take it on the road or anything or what was we your strategy left, there? We left pretty we left for LA pretty much immediately after Boston. Oh, I left out a huge thing. Okay, so in 2014, right when I had joined Apple actually, or just before I had joined Apple, uh this YouTuber named Pepe uh was a uh, pretty pretty famous like vlogger, not vlogger. What was he? Was like one of those reaction YouTubers. Oh, okay, yeah. He was this really big reaction YouTuber down in uh, Mexico. Lived in Mexico City, and he found "Sound and Silence," which was a song that we released in I think 2014. Yeah, and uh, we had just put up a music video for it, and Jack and I were trying to figure out like how to get views on it, and so we started going into Google AdWords and trying to figure out the biggest reach for our buck. And we, and in Mexico, it was like super cheap to like advertise. So we were like, let's just put a hundred dollars down there, whatever, let's do it. So we threw in a hundred bucks and a few days later, I guess Pepe found the video and shouted it out on one of his, um, on one of his uh, reaction (laughs) videos. And we were like, what the fuck? Like all of a sudden it just like the video started shooting up in views and we started getting all these comments in Spanish and we're just so confused. We have, what is, what is happening here? So I go home, I open up my Facebook. We have like a hundred new Facebook messages and I'm getting all these like friend requests from these like kids down in Mexico. And uh, so we find the source of the video. We found out that he shouted it out. And so we messaged him. We were like, dude, thank you so much we see that you have a band because he had a band called Sputnik or has a band called Sputnik. And we were like, dude, if you ever want to tour, let us know. He was like, yeah, man, buy the tickets and come down and we'll tour maybe like sometime in February. I was like, fuck yeah, dude. So um, a few weeks goes by. Yeah, a few weeks go go by and we're all like, we need to buy these tickets. Like we need to buy these tickets. We got to follow through on this. Like we, we can't just let this thing go to waste. And um, so one night I was laying in bed and we had a little bit of money from uh, from like a trailer or like a ad sync that we had got. And I just said, 
you know what? Screw it. Let's buy the tickets right now. So I bought the tickets, four of them, and I uh, bought them for February uh, 10th-ish through like the 17th and uh, messaged Pepe. And I was like, yo, dude, or Joe rather. And I was like, yo, we're coming down. I bought the tickets. He was like, oh shit, you're actually doing that. Okay, cool. Let me put something together. And uh, that was kind of like the first like validation we had got. And we were like, That's okay, nuts. we need to do this. We How was do that? This. So much fun. I mean, you know, I mean, you've toured many a times, I'm sure. Like when you tour not with Mexico. another band, not <laughs> Mexico, but I think it kind of goes across the board that like when you tour with another band, you spend so much time together doing the exact same thing that you just, mm-hmm. you, you develop this bond like overnight almost it seems like you just yeah. get really close with these bands that you tour with because you're doing the same thing you're spending all your time together you're getting drunk together you're singing together it's awesome and that happened with us and sputnik like we hit it off right off the bat and uh we played four shows originally it was mexico city puebla uh tampico and toluca i think was the four shows we played how were the and Awesome. They were a lot of fun. Sputnik was like a uh, Sputnik has a pretty big cult following down there. So they uh, so they packed out all the shows, and uh, it was yeah, it was That's a blast, sick. dude. We're still yeah, you know, we're still that You you say that the stories about like the camaraderie and stuff on tour, and I I talk about this often with people, but I I found that like because I I love that. That's why I love touring and that's why I fell in love with it was just like the camaraderie with your band and then you share that with other people and you're like the only people that you know right now that are doing the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah, Um, exactly. And you're in this own, you're in this like little bubble, like the rest of the world doesn't exist. Yeah, but I found that, you know, now that I'm in Ice Nine Kills, it's that has gone away a little bit because I don't know, maybe it's because people are now doing this for a living and it's like they're this is their circle everyone in their circle does this now right interesting like, i'm not sure if i understand like i mean like, like so there's this like the when you're grinding on these tours it's it's so fun and you share this like bond with the band that you're with like some of my best friends are from these tours where we were grinding like that's how i met donnie that's uh you know how i met even through that like andres and and will your drummer all those guys and everything It's Mm -hmm. just from those types of tours and everything. Now, you know, where all these bands that we're all all on buses and, you know, we have a crew and we go into the (laughs) venue and sit in the green room and then go on stage. There's less of that just because there's not like a shared struggle, I guess. (laughs) It's more of like a routine. Like this is the job now. It's a routine and it's also it's it feels a little less like special of a moment if that makes sense yeah that that does make sense i get i get that because i imagine after i'm complaining like because the there it's a very different experience and it's it's really cool for many many other reasons but that's not yeah part of it anymore i totally get it because it's like i mean when you're struggling and you're doing these tours that nobody cares about you there's this there's that that's where the camaraderie comes from is you're fighting this fight that nobody cares that you're doing. You know, it's just right. you against the world. And, 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 uh, I love and that. All these <laughs> new experiences. It. Yeah, I know it, it is it's sick. So it is fun. awesome. It's so fun. 
Um, and like those, even like the tiniest little steps forward feel like such huge things, <laughs> you know? It's yeah. Great. Yeah. Like, oh, we sold $200 in merch tonight, you know? Yeah. So sick. Um, okay, yeah. cool. So when did you start um, kind of, well, let me ask you this, because at this point you haven't really done much of it. Was there, did you have a desire to tour? Because you seem like the kind of guy, you know, you had to be forced even into joining a band. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Do you like touring? I absolutely love touring. It is my favorite okay. thing on earth to do. It is I like the one place. I know a lot of musicians that don't. It's like yeah, a necessary yeah. evil for them. I was so surprised when I met people that hated touring. Mm -hmm. I was shocked because it's it's essentially a, a never-ending mobile sleepover with your friends, you right. know? Like, it yeah. gives me, like, when I go on tour, I get the same vibe that I used to get when I was 12 years old, and I would go over to my friend Graham's house, and we play N64 for 48 hours straight. You know, I get that same, like, giddy happiness, and yeah. uh, and I just don't get when people don't, don't like, receive that. You feel like I you're doing work and having fun while doing it. Right. I, I've always liked it. I mean, everyone has days where you can, where you want to be home, but of course, I think it's, yeah. it's, it's tough. Like I, I do think that a lot of people underestimate the amount of work and actually like physical stress that your body can go through with yeah, that. Stuff. I mean, I think the lack of sleep is the one is the thing that, that Mm -hmm. people don't really touch on the most is like, yeah, you'll go five days getting an average of three hours of sleep a night and you got to sing and you got to be up in energy and you're just exhausted all. I mean, right. for the entire run, you, you are running on lack of sleep and then trying not to get sick at the same time while meeting hundreds of people every day, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. It's a grind. Um, it so is. you did that in, in Mexico. You did what was it? You said four shows. We did four shows, but then we've been back many times since. We did longer tours. They've never been like monthers, but we'll join like Sputnik or this other band we met down there called Beta. Uh, we'll join them for small legs or the end of tours and stuff. Wow. So we'll play, you know, normally anywhere between eight to 12 shows, you know? How many times have you been down there? I think nine, nine times. Wow. I think. So you're building yeah, yeah. like a Mexican fan base right now. Legit, yeah. We we That's uh, so did a, crazy. Yeah, we played a show in Mexico City. I think we sold out this venue. It was only like two hundred fifty or three hundred cap, but it was still like pretty crazy to That's see all these sick. people in a different country that don't speak your language singing your songs. You're the first band I've heard of that's that's done that. <laughs> that's gone this route. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Wild. Our career path has been bizarre from the beginning. Yeah, but you take what you get, right? It's YouTube is such a weird place dude because it's like there's no boundaries with it right no, it's international no. it's crazy we had a song like my old band do you remember that dude copper cab on youtube does that f sound familiar copper cab no i he don't remember that gingers have souls kid oh yeah 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 he loved my band and he no like way. shared it on his page and it was like a thing like that too it was it's so weird how that what? stuff happens God, it's so, and it's so cool because the nice, the nice thing is there's no bureaucracy. It's like straight to, straight to creative and yeah. owner, you know, it's, yeah. it's well, now whatever they want to no. do, they you know, do. Those people have like managers and all that stuff now. It's crazy. Yes. But I think as far as like trying to land some sort of like, uh, 
like other promotional spot, like a late night show or anything like that. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's so, they have such a bigger reach on YouTube now than the majority of these talk shows and everything like that. They, they are generally much easier to reach. There's no like booking department or anything and they just do what they feel like, you know? Right. And if they like it, they like it. There's no like, uh, there's no like you got to talk to the right people, get in people's ears. It's just like, yeah. Late night guests are all internet people anyway. Yeah, they're all internet people and they I don't know why they go on there cuz they have they don't I mean it's not like they're reaching Wild. a bigger audience at those places. There's those audiences are shrinking. It's crazy. So many like modern artists now came from social media too. Like um didn't I think Sean Mendez, he was like discovered on Vine or something. Was, was he really? That would I yeah. mean that wouldn't surprise me. It's crazy. Um yeah. all right. Anyway, so you're building your Mexican fan base. Uh, what's going on uh, in the U.S.? Are you are you touring here at the same time? Um. Yes. Yes, we are. Last, uh, we had the tour with Andreas, which was the first like full U.S. tour we had done. And how long then was we that? Had, that was a month long. Yeah, that was a, a monther. Yeah, it it was. And uh, then. Um, Bad Flower discovered us, and oh, uh, I love that band. They're so good, dude. So they're so good. good. They, uh, their lead singer, discovered yeah. us because yeah, I think Jack had left a comment on one of their pictures or something, mm-hmm. and then he checked us out. And uh, funny enough, Jack had been friends with their drummer for like two years before the oh, singer really? ever found our band. Yeah, and they he didn't know that they that they knew each other. So once they found that. They were like, we got to get these guys on tour. And they just reached out to us and said, do you want to tour with us? And we were like, That's fuck yeah, cool. we want to tour. They're a great <laughs> and, uh, band. They're Josh so is such good. a good guy too. Yeah, he's such a nice guy. Very smart. Yeah. Very, very driven. And um, and uh, I think he was my second or third guest ever on this podcast. Really? Yeah, I think so. That was not well. That's That's pretty yeah. cool. We met, I yeah, met they, them, uh, we played Shiprocked together earlier this year in February. Oh, I remember them talking about that, yeah. Yeah, pretty, pretty weird experience, but they were like my buddies. So I've heard. Yeah, we were all, uh, they were my vegan friends. <laughs> so we bonded oh, at, vegan at yourself? dinner. Yeah, lunch and, lunch and dinner every day we would bond over that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Some of that vegan food is pretty good, dude. I had oh, plenty yeah. of it on tour. Now's the best time to to be a vegan for sure. But dude, to be um, honest, like any of these like fat, like I mean, not saying vegans fad diet. I know it's it's more of like a like a social statement, but like a lot of these like fad diets nowadays, like are it's like the best time to be on some sort of fad diet. Like I, I, I do, I did keto for a few years and lost like mm-hmm. 50 pounds wow. and, uh, yeah, I used to be a fat boy and, uh, all the keto snacks now are amazing. They're so I know, good. Dude. Yeah. It's because all those fad diets are so popular now that these companies just know that they can, you know, if they brand it right, they can up, upsell it. Right. If it says keto on it. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah, Smart, keto, though. or if it says like vegan friendly, or like uh, yeah, gluten free. <laughs> right, right. Also, um, a loaf of bread costs twenty bucks. I know, dude. It's crazy. My girlfriend is celiac, so she can't eat any wheat, and we have to like uh, get all that stuff. It's insane. Oof. Um, all right. <laughs> anyway, so let's get back to the band. So, what? When was that Andres tour again? Was that twenty eighteen? 
That was 2019, I believe. 2019, 2019. and then Bad Flower was this year? Bad Flower was last October, so October 2019. Okay, so, so it was the two same tours year. in 2019. Were those the last tours that you did? Those, yeah, those were the last tours that we did. We had one more show in uh, Mexico right before the lockdown, and then we were supposed to do a tour for South by Southwest. We were actually on our way out there when we got shut down. We played one show mm. in San Diego and then uh, had to cancel the rest because South by Southwest got canceled. We were going to be playing seven shows there. Yeah. We had shows in Oof. Mesa, San Antonio on the way out, and then shows in like Denver and Las Have Vegas on the South way back. Before? No, this was going to be the first time we were ever going to do it, and I was so pissed that they fucking shut it down. Yeah, it's a pretty cool. It's a pretty cool experience. It gets a little exhausting, but um, if you like to drink, it's really fun. I do like to drink, so that would yeah. be really fun. It's a really good spot for that. Um, damn, that sucks, man. So, where did you? You had to cancel a tour. At least you weren't far from home, though. No, That's no, not yeah. The worst. We- yeah, it was kind of a gift and a curse, though, too, at the same time, because I ended up meeting my girlfriend now that uh, at that San Diego show. And so, like, if we had gone on with with uh, this tour, I wouldn't have ever, you know, hung out with there her and go. would have never dated her. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a blessing and a curse. Yep. <laughs> Make the best of the situation, right? Exactly. We got shut down when we we were in Germany when it got when we got the shutdown. That was that sucked. a bitch getting back? Well, dude, that that was a wild night because we we were waiting for the shows to be canceled. I was actually surprised they didn't cancel earlier. And we everyone knew it was the last night of the tour, but no one ever said it. Um, mm-hmm. So we just ended up buying plane tickets. And then right after we bought the plane tickets, um, that was when they announced like the travel ban. That was really confusing. Um, yeah. And so the, the airport was just a nightmare. The next day it was insane oh, i can imagine there's probably thousands of people trying to get out yep and then i got home and then i was home for a week and then i drove to la <coughs> how was that Pretty driving across stuff. uh during the would you drive down during the lockdown or drive yeah, across was, during lockdown? yeah it was right when we locked down so it was the end of march and the there was no one on the roads we hit no traffic their Fuck. gas was insanely cheap um yeah we didn't we slept in the car so we had a trailer and we, I turned the back of my car into like a camper kind of, and then, yeah, we made it out here in like six days. It's a nice drive. Actually. It's pretty fun. (laughs) Yeah. I've made the trip now many a times and I, 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 um, I honestly love doing it every time. I like road trips. I like, I like driving, you know, I I hate driving, but if I'm on a trip, (laughs) I can do it. If I have to like run an errand, I hate it. That is, I'm the same exact way. I'm the same exact way. I mm-hmm. hate driving to my core for like groceries or like yeah, need to go worst. pick up medication or something like that. It's the, oh yeah. That's why I miss Boston so much is I just miss being able to walk those places. Mm-hmm. But, um, me too. But, yeah. uh, yeah. Like road trips and stuff like that. Like you could stick me in a car for a month. I don't care. I like it. Yeah. I would do that too. Uh, so what's next for the band? I know you get you have an album coming out pretty shortly, right? Yep, we have an album coming out in February next year, and that is on your new label. Is that right? Yep, we signed with Spine Farm. Sorry, burp. Um, <laughs> we signed with Spine Farm back in April. Announced it in September, and uh, it's just been like uh, 
a mad dash to get the album done, ready to go. And it's finally done, packed up. We've made the merch for it. We finally Who'd signed the off album on with? the vinyl. We did the album. So we had four songs originally that we went with uh, a guy named Alex Newport, who had done City in Color and At the Drive-In. Great guy. Hilarious. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun to be mm-hmm. around. Such a cool dude. Um, we had done American Blood, one of our songs with him. And so we decided to go back and do four more songs with him. And uh, towards the end of the process, we decided to kind of take the reins because we wanted to kind of go in a little bit of a different direction. So we ended up kind of self-producing the rest of the album. Nice. And uh, and we got this guy named Tom Dalgatti or Dalgetty to mix the album. And uh, we were super stoked on that because he's Royal Blood's mix engineer. And, mm, uh, that's cool. and they're one of my favorite bands of all time, if not my favorite. Mm-hmm. So, so that was nice. pretty sick. So things have kind of just been moving really quick over the last what's year, I guess, or what? Yeah, they have. So. That's they pretty have. sick. It's, yeah, it is surprising, surprisingly good progress made in a time where our industry pretty much doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've been seeing your name pop up more and more. I mean, even just the fact that we got this interview together was through uh, a third party as well. So oh, you're really? definitely okay. poking up places. It's pretty sick. I, I, and dude, I'll be honest with you. I hadn't listened to the band. I think I had heard a couple songs back when you were doing that tour with Andres, but I hadn't yeah. really dove in until last night. And I texted Josh. Josh is my quote unquote producer on the show who couldn't actually be here today. And I was like, dude. This band is pretty fucking sick. <laughs> he was like, yeah, <laughs> I you, know. Dude. I've been listening to them. But no, I really like it. It's just like straight up just good like rock music. It's great. And it's it stands out for reasons that aren't just like I think a lot a lot of these rock bands uh stand out just because they're doing rock music, which isn't as you know, it's not around as much anymore. But yeah. you guys like just write really good hooks and stuff. I can tell that there's a lot of thought that goes into it. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, being in a genre that really isn't popular or, you know, well known anymore. I think I think uh Machine Gun Kelly and Youngblood are kind of changing that. I agree, uh, yeah. As of recent. Mm-hmm. And uh but but uh a lot more yeah, guitar is going to be on the radio. Yeah, and I'm I'm very excited for that because I think that uh this new album we have that I'm I'm very very stoked on it because uh we decided to kind of dive heavier into the i guess the philosophy of our band like where we come from when we write we mm-hmm. uh, that being um we don't really try to fit within certain confines or a genre or write a certain way when we write we kind of just let the song always dictate what it's going to sound like and don't try to be a certain type of thing. And I know a lot of bands do this. We just, we really take that message to heart. And, you know, so we end up with songs that are like our song swarm, which is just chaos and atonal and all this like really weird shit. And then we'll end up with songs like American blood, which is just a straight alt rock song, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, or we'll do like super bluesy stuff. And we really, really leaned into that with this album coming out. And I'm super excited for it because we have, you know, like some of our more like signature, like heavy blues kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. And then we have more alt stuff and then we have a folk song and then we have this stuff that's just, 
I don't really know how to describe it, but I'm super, super excited to release it because it is, <laughs> it is. It's, how many songs? It's going to be, um, I think we have 12 songs total with a few interludes. Uh, we really tried to focus on the flow of the album. I think one of our main goals for the album was to make something that you could listen to front to back and mm-hmm. hit all of the vibes, check everything that you wanted to hear off. Because I think that one thing that we always feel is you'll get halfway through an album and the artist is fantastic, but you get the same vibe every single song and you get the same type of song. An arrangement, you know, like I'm, for instance, like, like, uh, Matt Mason is one of my favorite artists of all time. He's incredible. And his album is genius. He's a genius songwriter. But the thing is, if I'm on a road trip, I get to about song seven and I'm ready to go listen to a different artist. Yeah. And we really wanted to kind of display, not just like how we write, but the fact that we can we can bring you those vibes that you want to feel yeah, happy sad anger you know right yeah that's a great way to approach that stuff i wish more bands did that and to be honest i, I think that's cool that you're doing that in the genre that you're doing it too because i don't know there's something really organic and real about that i feel like even rock i don't know i i don't think a lot of bands are as in touch with the that side of like the emotional aspect of it as much as they are now with just releasing singles and stuff like that because that's what drives yeah. music now it's all singles no one really it's not as common for people to listen to a full album from front to back even though those are no, my favorite yeah. bands all have those those type of albums yeah yeah i mean i remember the first album that i could listen to front to back over and over and over again was uh meteora by lincoln park <laughs> it was just because yeah, that album is awesome that it's a great album, album might be one of the best albums ever made. And it's I'll so say good. It, it's so good. And I listened to that album maybe 150 times, 200 times front to back. And like, mm-hmm. and like, uh, another one that really was super diverse, but, uh, was uh green day's American idiot album. I thought that album was so cool. Yeah. And that did, that did have some cool stuff on it. Yeah. I, I mean, not like everybody's that. a big green day fan, but I was growing I like up green day. I, I think they're a great band. Yeah. They're fun. Yeah. They are. They are. But um let's go yeah, back I to think uh, what, what do you guys that. have planned moving forward beside the album release? Are you do you know about anything you're attempting to book? I mean, obviously I know you probably can't announce it, but do you have any like ideas of what you might be doing moving forward? Yeah, I think everybody's kind of everybody in the booking world is kind of banking on the end of 2021 being uh, Yeah, that's what it seems like now. Yeah, being like when touring starts back up. So we have some things in the works there. And uh, we're playing Download Festival in June, which I'm super mm. stoked about. I don't know how that's that. going to look like with all the regulations and whatnot. I know, Maybe yeah. We're doing Slam on. Dunk there in May, so I'll let you know. <laughs> have you played any Have you played any car shows yet, like drive-in shows? No. So, um, well, I did a couple of outdoor um, like intimate acoustic shows with Donovan for his like solo stuff. I just play with him to support okay, um, all that stuff, That's which cool. have been fun. Like, you know, limited to, I think it was like 25 people seated, um, super spaced out. They were, they were fun. Like very, very, very organic DIY. Some of them didn't even have a PA or anything, you know? How was the vibe? It was cool. Uh, people were respectful and, and followed the rules and, um, 
I, a lot of people were, I, you could tell, were just jonesing to have any sort of interaction with music, period. Yeah, some sort of live you know? entertainment. I think, yeah. you know, I think when this is all over, it's going to be an amazing time for music. I do too. It's going to be nuts. Yeah, because I, I, everybody's going to be going out. Everybody's going to yeah. be going out all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because and, everyone's uh, going to have new music too. Yeah, everyone's going to have a new music. People are going to just want to see anything. I, I guarantee you, like, cover bands are going to do amazing because everybody's just going to want to even go see a shitty fucking local show. Yeah. I feel like these people are just going to want to get out. So much money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The ones left over because there's going to be yeah, like two and of that's, them. I, I wish that people recognize that. Like, you got to invest in the venues now so that they stay open. I mean, they, if they if they make it, they'll make a lot of money, but. That's the hardest part about this for the music industry right now, I feel like, is people aren't recognizing that it's not really the artists um, that have the overheads that, like, a lot of these venues have, too. Like, venues need to be supported as much, if they not do. more, than, like, artists right now. Yeah, that's right. I mean, look, we got to do what we got to do to, you know, curb the spread of the virus. But, I mean, I'm I'm not going to lie. It's it's pretty frustrating seeing, like, these, these massive corporations like Amazon just being allowed to, like, operate at full capacity. I know. And, like, be able to ship people fucking, you know, Xboxes and dildos yet, and be deemed essential still. Yet, these local businesses that don't have that type of safety net are being forced to shut down and yeah, I know. close, close. And like all these larger businesses that have the lawyers to deem them essential are going to be just fine. And you're just starving, starving the, you know, free market. You're starving the American it, it really dream. Is a, it does, it's, it's so crazy right now. I, I don't even, I don't have the answer to it except that. Nobody does. If every, if anyone, if everyone was just smarter, period, across the board, <laughs> then. Yeah. If you're just personally smarter, like think an extra step ahead, then, you know, at least it will help somewhat. Right now, it's just I'm scared to go outside <laughs> in L.A. Yeah. It's crazy, especially in my neighborhood. It's really bizarre. Um, I've heard L.A. Whatever. is is pretty uh, is pretty um, locked down. I think L.A. is mostly what I was talking about. I was talking yeah. to the uh, I mean, owner of the- L.A. It, it's locked down, but in where I am, no one's paying attention to it. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Just, it's super frustrating, but yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever is what it is. Yeah, right, you can only um, be in control of you. Truth. So thank you for going through all that. Cause I know it was long and there was a lot of tangents that we went on. Um, I don't know if Josh, <laughs> yeah, hopefully it wasn't read. too boring. No, no, no. I love that stuff. Um, what we do is we always end the episodes with, um, tour stories, one or two tour stories that you might have. I don't know if you had one prepared or not. Um, but oh, I have you one. Have, I and I know that you it. actually told a bunch already. But yeah, if you have one prepared, uh, let's hear it. Let's do let's do a tour story. Okay, so this one is uh, is uh, takes place down in Mexico, and uh, we played okay. this town called Merida, and it's known as like the Angel City because there's like no crime there at all. The police have a very sort of weird authoritarian sort of rule down there, which I guess keeps it safe, so people like living there. But uh, we played a show at this bar, and in Mexico, when you're driving in a van, as long as the the driver's not drinking, you can pretty much drink in the car. Nobody gives a mm, shit. It's like Connecticut. Except, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Except for in Merida. We play this show, 
and everybody gets a fresh beer. They're like, let's go back to the hotel and party. We're like, yeah, let's do it. So everybody gets a fresh beer, these big old like 20 ounce beers. Everybody climbs in the van and we start driving. And about five minutes in, we see these blue lights behind us. Now, normally when something sketchy happens, I'll turn to somebody in the band and in Sputnik and be like, should I be freaking out? And they'll look at me and I'm like, nah, dude, whatever, whatever. We'll talk to him. Blah, 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 blah. I turned to, I, this time I turned to Rod, the bassist and I look at him and he looks me dead in the eye and he goes, we're fucked. And I go, oh no. And I turn and I go, everybody chug their beers now. And so everybody's in the van kind of leaning down, chugging, oh everybody's chugging their beers. And meanwhile, there are cops at least 10 cops surrounding the car and like trying to look into these tinted windows and we're just pounding these beers and people are passing them back and I'm shoving him into a trash bag and I shove it underneath the seat and uh, and they uh, open the doors and they're like, everybody get out. And we're like, what's, what's wrong? What's wrong? He's like, we're going to search the van because it's a van and that's suspicious. So we're going to search it. And, uh, so they start ripping the entire van apart, pulling oh, out everybody's Jesus. suitcases, opening them up, taking everything out, looking through everything. They line us all up against the wall. They start patting us down. And I had this little piece of napkin in my pocket. And you know when you wash your wash your pants with like yeah. napkin or paper in it, they turn into these little tight balls. Right, right, you right. Know? So yep. he finds one in my pocket, one of the cops, and he's breaking it apart and he's like sniffing it. I'm just like, what is going <laughs> on right now? We stand there for 45 minutes. They get about two thirds of the way through everybody's gear. And um, by this point, towards the end, Sputnik is all joking around with the cops and they're all laughing and having a great time. And uh, they just kind of stop searching. They talk to them for a little while and they're like, all right, well, you guys can go. You guys are cool. <laughs> and we just what? get back in the get back in the van and just bolt it to the fucking hotel. We were like, what the hell was Whoa. that? That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. That was That's an interesting great. experience. Damn. Did you feel like they just wanted to catch you for something? I always like in those situations when they're that when like people are that diligent looking through stuff, I get worried about people like planting stuff. Well, they normally are trying to, I mean, obviously they're not looking for it through it just to, you know, again, let's see what this person has. They like, um, they, in Mexico, you don't need a, like, um, what is it? Probable right, cause. Right. Probable cause. To, yeah. Yeah. Probable cause to search a van or any vehicle. If a policeman just is profiling you, doesn't like the way you look, um, doesn't like your van, looks sketchy. He can just pull you over and search the whole car. We've had that happen to us a few times in Mexico. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a lot less frightening now than it was like when we first did it, like, what the heck? Like, are they just gonna, you know, make some shit up or like, yeah, but you know, we, we pretty much, we've had a couple, you know, the funny thing about Mexico is everybody talks about how sketchy it is. And I'm sure there's like, I'm sure there's bad parts and whatnot. There is in every country, but the only times I've ever had anything sketchy happen has been with policemen. <laughs> like to be honest, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I I only went to Mexico earlier this year on Shiprock. That's the only time I've been. So Where was I don't that, have like Cancun or like- yeah, and that wasn't Mexico. I don't think yeah. I saw anyone even native. <laughs> to yeah, Mexico it's a big there. party place. Yeah, big it was vacation. Just a, it was just like eight cruise ships pulled mm-hmm. up there. So. Yeah, yeah, I was a little let down by that experience, but whatever. 
Um, <laughs> oh, that's Rest a good one. Pretty cool. Thanks, yeah. man. Yeah, I want to go check it out. I like that. I like that. <laughs> See, I'm like panicking now. It's making me think because we always we're like a bunch of stoners in yeah. my band. And like, you can't do that shit down there, right? Like they'll go nuts. No, you can't. They're a lot more strict on it than they are right. in the US about about weed. Especially and, if they um, can just pull your car over. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that uh, I think that it's going to be legalized pretty soon down there, though. Uh, really? One of my, yeah. One of my uh, friends down there is uh, getting in early on the on the on the regulation and everything and trying to start up his own brand in Mexico. Wow. Nuts. Yeah. So hopefully it does. I'm mean, sure it'll do something if they legalize it. Crazy. All right. Well, dude, thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for going you through for all that history. Uh, you're not too far from me. So when everything is cool, we should uh, hang out. Dude, please hit stuff. me up. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be so down to go to a bar by that point. Yes. That will be fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, before you wrap up, um, again, just let everyone know where they can find your stuff. You have the album coming out. Do you have a, have you announced the name of the album and everything like that? Yep. We have announced the name of the album. Um, the name of the album doesn't really have a name, but it's very easy to type. It's a dash, an exclamation point and a dash. So okay. good luck. Good luck trying to tell somebody about the album, but if you want to listen to it, it, you can find it real easy. Um, to be like, honest, what's your working really, title? Do you even um, have a name for it? Yeah. I mean, the working title is the title, but just call it the exclamation album. You know, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kind of waiting for the fans to kind of come up with their own name for it. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay, cool. Uh, and what about like, um, social media, social what's media, your, you can find mm-hmm. us at we are DPS on Twitter and Instagram. Okay. Uh, Facebook, you can find us at facebook.com forward slash dead poet society band. Um, YouTube, just search dead poet society. We usually pop up and, uh, yeah, we're on Spotify, Apple music, Xbox Sweet. music, Rhapsody. What are awesome. some of the old ones? You can download uh, us on Pandora. your Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sweet, dude. Well, thank you again for coming on. That was fun. Um, yeah, it was fun. And yeah, well, we'll, uh, we'll make sure to share all your stuff when the album comes out. Just tag us and stuff and we'll blast it. Thank you so much, man. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure, dude. All right. Take care. All right. Take it easy, bud. Bye-bye.
Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. <laughs> 